Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. This one's called The Elephant in the Room. And the elephant is Republicans. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no room for subtlety here. Just be direct. We are going to be talking about Republicans and um, the history of how crazy they are, I guess. Mm -hmm. But realistically, we're just going to be kind of talking about the the big, ugly, shitty elephant in the middle of the room. That we call the Republican Party. And I guess we were inspired by an act of kismet, an act of karma, something that happened this week that just sort of fell from the sky and created content for our episode. And I'd like to thank past us for creating this content because Amanda can tell a little story here about what happened this week. Right. So earlier this week, I was rummaging through my closet trying to find something to wear. (laughs) And I look down and on the floor in front of the closet door, I see a piece of paper. This piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) And on that piece of paper, I see some writing, scribbling, and some drawing and diagrams. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What the hell is that? Yeah. Pick it up, look at it, and I see it's pink ink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Did we have a pink pen at some point? Apparently we had a pink pen. And we wrote down something called the Sajak Theory. Sajak Theory. And we have this diagram and explanation as to like what that is, Mm -hmm. sort of. And it was created about five years ago? Because it was around the the Trump election, the first- Yeah, when I picked it up and looked at it, I'm like, I I went back in time suddenly to about five years ago. 2016. Mm Mm-hmm. Is when we created the Sajak theory. It was a team effort, I guess. But why was it there? That's the question. Why I, was this piece of paper yeah, I don't on know. the ground this week? I, I got, that's my closet. Like I, I'm in it every day looking mm-hmm. for clothes or putting clothes away. I've never seen that piece of paper there before. Well, it was there because it needed to be there. Yeah, clearly. Because... What the Sajak theory is, is social application of justice and kitties would be (laughs) what it's a, (laughs) what it stands for. Um, I actually had a different title for it that I guess you didn't like because that's in your handwriting. Yeah, I think I wrote that out. Yeah. Is, um, is what I called it, which is a nonlinear theory of political affiliation. So I came up with this, like I said, in 2016, and I started talking to you about it. And I think you wouldn't listen unless there was kitty cats involved. Yeah, I refused. I was like, I don't, I'm not interested in what you have to say unless there are cats here. Mm-hmm. So somehow I put cats in it, but they don't really have anything to do with it. <laughs> but it made her happy. Right. And the theory was basically that, like, we traditionally think of political affiliation, whether you're right wing or left wing or Republican or Democrat, on like a... S- a linear scale from like on the far left would be socialist. And then in the smack middle would be the middle. And then on the far right would be like the tea party or, you know, crazy, crazy Nazi peoples. Right. And that's how we've traditionally thought of the political scale. But I think the political scale is more like a circle, like a clock. And I explained it where the middle would be like 12 o'clock. And then the anarchists, people that don't like rules at all would be the six o'clock. And then on the right side, at three o'clock, you would have the conservatives, the traditional conservatives. And then on the left side, at nine o'clock, you would have the liberals. And that there was stuff in between there. And that that explained what was happening in 2016, which is that 
uh, Arizona went for Bernie Sanders? Yeah, what was happening was that these people that I guess traditionally would be more in line with like libertarian or Republican mm-hmm. were voting for Bernie. We're voting for Bernie. And we weren't complaining about that, but we were very confused. Like, why are these gun-toting militiamen <laughs> yeah. like voting for Bernie Sanders? And I tried to explain it with this theory because... If you look at things on a line, they couldn't be further apart. Mm-hmm. The people you would think of in Arizona, they would be way on the right side of the line, and they would have to go all the way through past the middle to get to the to the far to the left far side. Democratic where socialist, was. yeah. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But if it's a circle, then actually the where the libertarian Ron Paul people are is only oh, it's pretty close to where Bernie Sanders and the socialists are mm-hmm. because they're both right on either side of the six o'clock anarchy people. Right, the six o'clock anarchy people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you think of it in clock terms, mm-hmm. they're just a couple hours apart. Right. It would be much longer to go the other way around and that's not what happened. And that explained that phenomenon and that was where the Sajak theory came in and it's basically, yes, it's that. It basically has everything laid out in a clock form and uh, starts with, you know, going around the clock. It starts with the middle and then going you know, to one o'clock and it's uh, Bush. And then by the time you get to three o'clock, you're at Reagan conservatives. And then by the time you're at, you know, five o'clock, you're at the Tea Party. And then by the time you're <laughs> at 530, you're at the Libertarian Ron Pauls. And then six o'clock, you hit the anarchists. And then seven o'clock, you hit Bernie Sanders and the socialists. And then nine o'clock is the liberals. And then 10 o'clock is the Carter administration. And then 11 o'clock is the Clinton administration. And then you're back to the middle at noon. Yeah. That's that's the, <laughs> yeah. the theory. Yeah, that's crazy. And depending on how close you are on that theory, it tells you how, um, you know, how people vote. And explains that crazy thing that happened in 2016. It also shows you just how weird everything is because everything has shifted to the right. So everything is distorted on this thing. Right. Our politics here in, the, in America, everything, including the left, has shifted. To Far the, to the right. To the right. Since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not the first person to come up with the concept that everything has shifted to the right in politics was around the 1970s. I think I heard Noam Chomsky talking about it, and he had said that if you went back to 1938 when the minimum wage started and you followed the trajectory it was going on, it would have been $30 an hour right now. So... Right now, <laughs> like $30 an hour would be minimum wage. If if we had stayed on the trajectory that it was on starting in 1938. But what happens is in 1970, it takes a humongous dive downward. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I mean, holy shit, no one's even asking for $30 an hour. We're asking for half that and we're getting pushed back, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I went and looked up the minimum wage rates to get an idea of how – how this is really there because it's a mathematical this shows you in numbers how things shifted to the right and by how much so i'm gonna convert all these uh numbers here to today's numbers so when i say you know in 1938 the minimum wage was uh four dollars and 70 cents it was actually 25 cents but in conversion inflation so that is where all these numbers are coming from so in 1938 it starts out at four dollars and 70 cents an hour okay 20 years later, it's now 1958, and it's at a dollar an hour, which is about $9.72 an hour. So you've gone up a, a tremendous amount. Then by 1968, you're at $12 an hour. Then by 1974, you're back down to $10 an hour. Then by 1997, you're down to $5.15 an hour. Then today, you're at $7.25 an hour. 
So think about what has happened, how much of a drop that is. I can put some percentages on it. The real value of the federal minimum wage has dropped 17% since 2009 and 31% since 1968. But before that, it was going straight upwards. So there was a humongous shift to the right in all of politics measured in the minimum wage, clearly for you to see, that starts around the 1970s. And so back to the elephant in the room. The big elephant in the room. What happened in the 1970s? Um, well, I wasn't there, but I remember there being some kind of like oil crisis. And yeah. Gas lines. And also, I think the 70s are why the Gen Xers are so apathetic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> well, what the intellectuals call neoliberalism started in the 1970s. And that is when you have, you know, the Carter administration. And what you have is... Everything's shifting to the right. A lot of the people on the left, quote unquote, back then all moved pretty far to the right. Carter was very much not a super lefty. And what you have with them is this this idea that we need to do free market, laissez-faire capitalism and let the markets fix things and Mm. not tax people so much and not give so much social welfare. And that that would somehow make everything better. It was basically a bunch of liberals caving to the Republicans is what it was. It was the Republican shitty, shit-covered ideas. (laughs) And it was liberals conceding to them in the 1970s, starting in the 1970s, and it was called neoliberalism. Then you, in the middle of that, by the way, you have Ronald Reagan, who was the, the worst of all this. He wasn't a, a liberal, but he was the worst offender of the neoliberal policies that right, and he had wrecked the, this country. The Reagan, mm-hmm. Reagan, what do they call it, Reaganomics. Reaganomics. That starts in 1981 and goes all the way to 1989. Mm. Then right after that, you have the Clintons, who were also big I, laissez-faire capitalists. Um, well, after that, I thought you had Bush Senior. Yeah, Bush Senior for four years, Clintons. and then the Clintons, yeah. and they all kept going with that neoliberal consensus idea that what we needed to do is move everything a little to the right. We need to, you know, not spend so much money on social welfare, and we need to cut taxes for people. And corporations are good because they provide jobs. That whole idea before that, people were thinking completely differently. Before that, you had people wanting to own the factories that they lived in. People had socialist thinking. You mean if you go where back, where they worked, not where they lived. Well, yeah, where they worked. <laughs> well, they might as well felt like they lived there. Yeah. But before that, like I said, you go back to the '40s and the '30s. People had this uh, very much more socialist idea of pe- the workers owning things and the government providing things for people. Mm. And then there was this drastic shift in the '70s, and it's the shitty Republicans' fault. That's my <laughs> point. I mean, the liberals did it. But the liberals did it by by caving to some of their shitty ideas. Right. That's my contention. And for some there. reason thinking that that's what people wanted. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it was called the neoliberal consensus. If you ever hear that word, that's what that means. And we think that understanding that shift to the right gives you a firm ground to understand since we've moved so far to the right, how people now, the Republican Party now are so crazy. (laughs) Why they're so far lunatic out there. How somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene Mm -hmm. managed to get elected. And that's because everything in this country has moved so far to the right from the 70s to the 90s. That's why. That's what happened. We're living the consequences of that. We are. And the other thing that is is happening or has happened throughout that shift to the right has been the remarkable hypocrisy (laughs) of the Republican Party. The hypocrisy on a massive scale. And I think that this week showed case in point to that when the House passed a bill (laughs) to make Washington, D.C. a state, making it our 51st state. Which I think is a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, too. They deserve representation? Yeah. Well, 712,000 people live in the D.C. area. Americans. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the majority of them, however, are minorities. Yeah. Which has upset and triggered (laughs) the (laughs) The Republicans. If there's anything that triggers Republicans, it's minorities. Because if D.C. were to become our 51st state, Mm -hmm. like all the other 50 states, they would get two senators to represent them. And most likely, as we know from demographics and studies, those senators would be Democrats, Mm -hmm. which would give Democrats control, greater control over our Senate. Mm -hmm. And so the Republicans are absolutely shitting themselves currently and saying, this is not fair. The the Democrats are trying to steal and rig. They already stole the presidential election (laughs) and now they're trying to to make a state and this is dirty politics. Uh And it's like, Excuse me. Yeah, that's how all the states got in. <laughs> well, yes. And and some of the ones where you're like, why is this a state? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Republicans are losing their minds over the notion and they're calling Democrats every name in the book. Of course. As if somehow they haven't ever done the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Or much, much worse. In fact, in the late 1800s, the Republican Party fast-tracked six states into statehood. Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, Washington, Idaho, and Wyoming. Mm -hmm. They openly admitted at the time that the move was to secure a permanent Republican majority, and they had to get it done prior to the 1890 census, because the census would reveal that those new states didn't have enough of a population (laughs) to meet the criteria for statehood. Wow, they were just open about it. Yeah. But by comparison, Washington, D.C. has a ton of people living there. And in fact, there are more people living in D.C. than are in Wyoming. Yeah, the whole state. The whole state currently. Mm -hmm. Right. But somehow it's not the same. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's because it's the people are a different color in Wyoming. Right. That's why. That's that's, That's exactly why. So Republicans are bitching about that, and they're also trying to link the move to make D.C. a state to an attempt by Democrats to expand and fill the courts. Yes. They're saying that they're connected. It has something to do with filling the courts. Mm -hmm. Republicans are claiming that they've never done that. (laughs) They've never packed the courts. They didn't just spend four years doing nothing but packing the courts. The whole time. So this week after this bill passed... Old Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham <laughs> went to oh my God. the Supreme Court. What a pair. Yeah, and stood on the steps in protest of the bill passing. Uh-huh. And here's a quote. This is what Ted Cruz said. Oh, God. Quote, you didn't see Republicans when we had control of the Senate try to rig the game. <laughs> you didn't see us try to pack the court. <laughs> There was nothing that would have prevented Republicans from doing what they're doing other than respect for the rule of law, other than basic decency, other than recognizing that democracy matters, and packing the court and tearing down the institutions that protect our rights is fundamentally wrong. Wow. He said that. Ted Cruz, you piece of shit. That's all you have ever done. That's all Republicans have Oh, my God. So clearly, Republicans have developed a horrible case of amnesia. Yeah, goldfish memory. And Ted Cruz is just a lion sack of shit. Do you not remember them pushing through a Supreme Court judge like eight days before the election? There are Yes, there are nine Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Six were appointed by Republicans. Three by Democrats. Uh-huh. Of the six that were appointed by Republican presidents, only one was appointed by a Republican who had won the popular vote. 
Oh, my God. The other five were appointed by Republican presidents who lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College, which means the majority of Americans did not want the president that they were given, nor did they want the Supreme Court justice that that president picked. Oh, yeah. And yet he's going to turn around and say that it has anything to do with packing the courts to make D.C. a state, yeah. even though they have more people than Wyoming. The hypocrisy there is infuriating. When you, yes, if we go back, when Obama was president, he picked Merrick Garland yeah. to be on the Supreme Court to replace Scalia, who mm-hmm. like dropped dead in his yard or something. Yeah. But Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Mitch McConnell <laughs> raised a stink and said that Obama shouldn't be allowed to appoint Garland because it was too close to the election day. It was March 2016. The election was November 2016. That's eight months away. Eight months. And old Mitch is like, you can't do that. It's unconstitutional. Oh, we have to wait. <laughs> I'm a tourist. I do everything slow. But that's the same Mitch McConnell who then fast-tracked the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett uh-huh. as a Supreme Court literally eight days. Eight days. Prior to the 2020 election. Yeah. So the- why is eight months too close but eight days is totally acceptable. From a president who won the popular vote versus eight days from a president who lost the popular vote. And then they want to also complain that this is just a Democrat trying to pack the courts. <laughs> Donald Trump, in his four years as president, appointed more than 200 federal court <laughs> judges. Wow. By comparison, that is more than Obama put in in his entire eight years. In eight years. Oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me? It's like it's like they can't... There, there's just no shame. He'll just say whatever. Anything. Anything. And the hypocrisy, as I said earlier. It's so strong. <laughs> Astounding. That's where our Republican Party is now. It's not even... There's some other things that have happened recently besides Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell. And, <laughs> and their, Lindsey Graham and on Lindsey, the steps of the Supreme Court. And their ridiculous fucking hypocrisy. There's also uh, our representative, our local representative here, uh, Madison Cawthorn. Oh. Wah, wah. He's what the a, worst. What a turd. He was the author of the Donument Act. <laughs> like, Do- like Donald. Like, like Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. The Donument Act. Oh, my goodness. That he's trying to get passed. And it's trying to establish parts of the U.S.-Mexico wall as a national monument. <laughs> the Donument. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the goal of the bill, Cawthorn said in a statement, is permanent protection from alteration for the wall. Citing President Biden's executive orders pausing construction on the wall, he's scared Biden might do something to hurt the wall. So he wants it declared a national monument in the Donument Act. Because we don't tear down national monuments. We preserve them. Exactly. So we've got to preserve Donald's wall. And so that is the bill unlikely to pass in a Democrat-controlled house. Right, but he totally is appealing to the uh diehards in our area who still believe Donald Trump is the president. And he literally calls it the Donument Act, which is just so... So he named it that? Yes. Oh, my goodness. No shame. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. That's how shitty that guy is. I thought maybe the media or something called it that. No, that's the name of it. Oh, what a... Oh. Yeah. So he's kind of the worst. Yeah. We have to get rid of him. Uh Uh-huh. He's awful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of more 
awful things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that happened this week. So you know the the pillow guy, yes, Mike, Mike Lindell. Lindell. <laughs> yes, the, my pillow guy. That dude's a trip. Yeah, he's like a Trump worshiper. Uh-huh. He's out there t- saying that Trump's still the president, that the election was rigged, that the you know he's buying into all the conspiracy. They were theories. cutting him off on Fox News. He was so he's so right. crazy. He still is around. He gets out on YouTube mm-hmm. on all the conspiracy channels and the podcast channels talking about those things about Trump being <laughs> <laughs> the president. Any whatever crazy land well anyway he decided that he was going to launch his own social media platform called frankspeech.com <laughs> much like parlor frank speech or okay. parlay it was supposed to give the right-wing trump trumpanites uh, a place to vent their frustrations and speak freely about what really happened on election day oh all while paying homage i guess to the pillow guy himself <laughs> Well, so anyway. you have to like be like, I love my my pillow, and also the deep state is uh, controlling everything, and Donald Trump's the real president. Yeah. <laughs> that's the post you're going to see on there. Yeah, awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that site was set to launch this week. Ugh. And uh, but upon launch, the the site immediately crashed. <laughs> And I checked it, and it's still down. It's still down. <laughs> Although he did manage to do what they called, I think it was like a forty, it was like a forty-eight hour pillowathon or mm. micathon. I don't remember what they called it, where he went live on the site for his Trump fan base to watch and donate, I guess. Oh Who knows? Anyway, he wound up getting trolled. Yeah, I was getting ready to say. the feed was like really poor and kept breaking up and he kept getting disconnected, when people would get through and call in on these phone lines or oh, yeah. whatever, they were trolling They were him trolling him. And making fun of him. And anyway, the whole thing crashed. It's, it's still down. And Not- I'm pretty sure the reason why it's down is because somebody DDoSed him and crashed it because people hate that guy. Well, he's pretty awful. Yeah. And I can't imagine anything more taunting to hackers and people that would want to hurt him than trying to start a social media platform. Apparently, he got trolled by a, by a British podcast. Yeah. They called in and they had a recording. <laughs> they had a recording of Trump awesome. that they played. And so he's hearing Trump speaking, thinking that Trump's talking to him. Oh, man. But it was all fake. Oh, God. <laughs> so I think now he's trying to sue that podcast or something. <laughs> so bad. Oh, speaking of suing, he also brought a, a lawsuit against that Dominion voting yeah company because he's so diehard believes that the, Trump won and that the election was rigged. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this man. He's nuts. He's nuts. Mm-hmm. So I checked that out. The website still crashed. Good. But I was like, I wonder how old uh, Parlay is doing. Yeah. So I went and looked at that Some too. Some parlor tricks. It's back up. Yeah. It is back up. And, wow. And uh, people are there and they're posting their insanity and their crazy right-wing Trump mm-hmm. anti-Biden racist <laughs> shittiness it's still there huh? oh yeah it's back wow you know what else happened this week uh was the america first caucus oh. papers came out did you hear about this no but just the name makes me cringe yeah it was marjorie taylor green it was our good friend marjorie taylor green <laughs> she is no friend of mine yeah th- that no. awful awful lady mm. she decided 
it wasn't her, but she was part of it. There was a group of people that wanted to, were kicking around the idea of starting a new caucus called the America First Caucus. Well, it's probably because she was not allowed to be on any other kind of committee or group. Right. Right. She has nothing else to do. <laughs> She's like, ah, guys, I'm bored. Can I start a club? And this, the document about it got released to the public and it had some uh, pretty racist things in it. It basically said it was a platform respecting uniquely Anglo-Saxon traditions. Uh, what even does that mean? What the hell does that mean? It means that they believe that the true owners of America are the white Anglo-Saxon people that came here from Europe. Get the hell out of here. I know. Uh, Another part of it said that the nation's infrastructure should express the progeny of European architecture. Are you fucking kidding? I don't want to look at white people stuff. Yeah, right. Basically, (laughs) I already already see it anyway. Basically, they're basically, yeah, it's the theory that that this country belongs to the predestined people who were supposed to be here. The white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. That's the that's the the nugget of what this party really is all about. Oh goodness! And that plays into a lot of where the Republican Party is right now. A lot of where the right wing is right now, and they're in this place where the replacement theory, the great replacement theory, is something that is accepted by a lot of Republicans now. If you don't know what that is, that is the theory that this country belongs to these white Anglo-Saxon Protestant people and that they are being replaced by migrants from other countries and that that's what's destroying America and making it not great. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Tucker that's Carlson... that's something you hear a lot of them say. A lot of Fox News, Tucker Carlson included, are people who will tell their audience that they're being replaced and they're part of this replacement theory argument. And that argument is such fucking bullshit. Well, it's also, that's just fear-mongering. It's fear-mongering, it's racist, and it's also not true. If you want to think about this logically, America belongs to Americans. The whole point of human existence and our genes is to replace ourselves. We're supposed to be replaced with other people. Considering this country to being inherently belonging to anyone is fucked up. This country is never supposed to inherently belong to anyone. It's supposed to be who all's here. Mm. That's what matters. Who all's here? We're supposed to replace people. Well, I don't know where they get this idea that we shouldn't be replacing people or that because this country somehow belongs to them. It's a bullshit racist theory. Pisses me off. And it's where the Republicans are now. So... Are they actually going to be allowed to have this caucus? No, they, they got way too much blowback. Kevin McCarthy, the uh, majority or minority leader in the Senate or whatever, did like disclaim the whole thing and was like, fuck y'all, we're not doing this. Yeah. And uh, it got kind of scrapped. They all are kind of backing off of it. Well, uh, good. So it's not actually going to become a caucus because that kind of language, although it's kind of couched is blatant enough where people were like, no, 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 this is just fucking racism. Yeah, you had to think that they actually wrote that. Yeah, they did. Like they, so they meant it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't make up the word progeny of European architecture. That was... Right, (laughs) no, I understand that, but I'm just saying you have to think that they they thought of that as and, acceptable yeah and as something it that down. it's okay to express because we've moved so far to the right that these people can believe this shit right and i guess uh america needs a swift kick in the ass <laughs> is what i say it does because we are we have gotten way way far off track of where things actually should be although i think the republican party took a huge hit with Donald Trump yeah. as their leader, and I think that they are horribly splintered right now. Good. And yeah, so I'm kind of like celebrating that part of it, because yeah. they don't seem to 
they don't seem to have their shit together really either. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's so crazy. It makes me infuriated and it's hard to even watch. So instead, they're basically just passing laws like voter restriction yeah. to try to ensure that their party has a place. It's so crazy. Dog whistles are just sirens now. They're just loud ass sirens. It's not even dog whistles anymore. Yeah. They're not even trying to pretend like they're not appealing to racists. Right. Yeah, that's it's true. It's fucked yeah. up. Well, if any of our listeners would like a daily dose of what the Republican Party is currently up to. <laughs> and from a liberal's perspective. If your sanity can handle it. <laughs> then I highly recommend that they follow a lady named Heather Cox Richardson. Mm-hmm. She's on Facebook. She's got 1.4 million followers. Ooh, I'm one of them. That's a big number. And every day she writes a piece about what the Republicans are up to. She's <laughs> super smart. She's a political historian, a writer, and a professor at Boston College. Awesome. She's super educated, and she's really good at explaining things. Yeah. But she's also super left. Yeah, cool. And so she puts a critical lens, a historical lens, on what Republicans are currently doing, and she talks about how it reflects the past and things that they've done before. So highly, highly recommend following her. She probably knows a lot more about it than we do because we just sat around and shat on Republicans for 30 minutes. But she does the same, but she does it so eloquently and smartly. Yeah, we just did it in a way that's funny. Uh, But, you know, I think we do it often and it's funny. And if you want to find episodes of that, you can find them on the Internet. Carolinasnowflakes.com You can always also go to our Facebook where you can see Amanda and her fandom of that lady that I can't remember her name right now. <laughs> Heather Cox Richardson. Heather Cox Richardson. Um, Courtney Cox Arquette. <laughs> no. And others are all on our Facebook. There are millions of famous people on our Facebook. And so you got to join to check it out. Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And if you are a Republican, then, you know, <laughs> you're real dumb. But send Why'd me you a- listen this long? Yeah, why did you are listen? Are you okay? But go ahead and send me an email and tell me about it. Snowflakes at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>